The smartest football player on LSU's defense is Jamal Adams. This low line drive fielded by Jabril Peppers. Here he goes. Jabril Peppers breaks a tackle. The cutback. Peppers headed for a touchdown. Come on. Bears Hour Live with host Lauren Cox and the Draft Talk, Phil Atoshin. Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. I am Lauren Cox here with Draft Dr. Phil Atoshin. It's Sunday. It's time for some Bears football, even though there's no TV, there's no football on TV. Hopefully we can be your sort of fix for the weekend. Phil, we're, we're talking some NFL draft safety prospects today. We're going to get into Jamal Adams, Jabril Peppers, Malik Hooker, even some of these guys a little bit farther down the list, the Obi Melifanus, the Buddha Bakers, some of these guys that can get Bears fans excited about the position for really the first time in close to a decade. I mean, we haven't had something since Mike Brown there that really gets people fired up. So uh, who are you looking forward to most talking about today, you think? Well, I mean, there's a, almost like the quarterbacks. I think there's a big four when it comes to the safety, Lauren, position with Adams, Peppers, um, Hooker, and I would throw Melifanu in there. I think that this is a good group. Actually, I'm going to throw Desmond King in there. I apologize you can't even skip over these guys. You got Buda Baker as well. So this is a good group of safeties and, and how they're viewed by people like myself and our guests coming up is really going to be interesting as the draft moves closer, 32 days to go, Lauren. Man, that, that is really sneaking up fast. And, you know, there's so many talented safeties in this draft. We thought we needed a little bit of help breaking them down. So we have with us our resident Michigan expert, Josh Liskowitz of Pro Football Focus. He's a Michigan alumni, and he is a really a really great analyst. He is their Big Ten analyst. He does a lot of great work for Pro Football Focus. He's an expert on this stuff. He's just been working on some safeties lately for them, too. So we thought he'd be the perfect guy because I know Phil has a pretty strong opinion about Jabril Peppers and he, I think Josh is going to have some some great perspective on how he fit in that Michigan defense. But we'll, we'll get to Peppers later in the show. But first, Josh, how are you doing this Sunday afternoon? I'm doing really well. How are you guys doing today? Can we cue the sound drops of hail to Michigan right there? Oh, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll throw that on the podcast version for sure. But I'm doing good, start. Josh. Really glad to have Josh on with us. He's a great yeah. follow, and he's a great, knowledgeable guy. When it comes yep. to the draft, of course you can follow Josh on Twitter at pff underscore Josh. You really, it's it's all football analysis all the time. It's it's a great follow. His timeline is just loaded and loaded with great information there. But today I, I want to start with the guy who's kind of seen around the league as the consensus number one safety prospect in this draft, Jamal Adams out of LSU. You can't you can't go too far looking at mock drafts with the Chicago Bears without finding one with Jamal Adams headed at number three. And I guess the the place I want to start with you, Josh, is when you see a draft class this deep at safety, which is, is isn't always the case, you know, year to year. Is it is it worth taking a safety prospect third overall? Is is Jamal Adams that good? Is he that can't miss of a product that you take him at third overall, knowing that there might be other safeties that are pretty darn talented available later on in this draft? That's a really fair question, and I think we're going to see that at a number of positions. Uh, you look at the edge beyond the number one overall guy. 
Uh, Miles Garrett, I, I think you could say that about that position, that maybe you should wait until second or third round to find somebody as opposed to taking another one top 10 in the bear case top three. Cornerback, same deal. I don't know if you really want to take one of those guys in the top 10. Better off waiting till the second or third round. But to me, Jamal Adams is, is just a different animal altogether. Uh, I've I've said for a while now, I think he's both the best safety and cornerback prospect in this draft. I really think he's that skilled. Uh, I, I love what he brings in terms of coverage, whether it's press, whether it's off, whether it's zone. He has a knack and a feel for all of it. Uh, he's physical with receivers. Did we lose him on that? Yeah, I, I lost Josh. Did I get you back in? There we am go. I back there he is. The voice oh, of God. <laughs> Just sorry, guys. I don't know what happened there. Um, no so yeah, Jamal well, Adams is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know how much you heard or didn't hear, but uh, I think in terms of his coverage skills, he's good enough to play corner as well. And I think that's a versatility that should be used by anybody who drafts him, or certainly the Bears. Whether you want to put him outside wide, you can take care of and get rid of mismatches against uh, teams that like to flex running backs out there, uh, even tight ends to an extent. And you can put him in the slot against slot receivers. He's very capable of doing that. And you can put him back at free safety as well because you watch his playing speed. He has the range and instincts you want to make all the plays there. I actually like him a little bit better at corner because while he's very productive against the run and improved his tackling efficiency uh, uh, against the run when playing in the box, he's just not big enough to consistently take on blockers. So in order to get him in the biggest impact place possible, that's really going to be a cornerback position in my opinion. I know it's not popular, but that's how I see him. And that added versatility can kind of make him more valuable in the sense that, I mean, even if you don't, even if say the Bears GM doesn't see him in as a full-time corner, I mean, that, that sort of ability to give you that option that down the line that maybe one of the other young safeties on the Bears steps up in training camp and you're like, oh, well, now we have three starting quality safeties. Let's move Jamal Adams to corner. Let's let's play him primarily in the slot. Let's play him on the outside. Let's move our cornerbacks around. It's just that added value of that chess piece at the position. And I'm glad you mentioned his, his range and his playing speed there because obviously, you know, when, when you're looking at him in this group of prospects, he gets pinned right next to Malik Hooker over and over again as, as sort of the top two guys for most people in this draft. And Hooker is kind of the the rangy free safety and Jamal Adams is sort of the enforcing strong safety. And it kind of builds this idea that they are both one and not the other. And like a, a guy like Jamal Adams can't play deep end safety. Like he's not physical enough. And certainly he, he didn't run the same combine numbers as some of these other guys. Still a four five six forty. And, you know, a, a decent vertical and a decent three cone, but, you know, not quite the elite athleticism at the position as some other guys. So I think this this false perception gets put out there that he can't run the deep and he doesn't have the range. He doesn't have the ability to, you know, break off the hash and go and break up a pass because I think he, the, his playing speed really stepped up and, and it shows you he's capable of doing just a little bit of everything. I, I think you nailed that perfectly there. And I, and I think the important thing to remember is when you're pitting guys against each other, especially at the top of the draft, it doesn't mean that it's not an all or nothing proposition. You know, it doesn't mean that, well, he's either 
better or worse as something, or he's either good or not good at, at something. They're both considered top 20 picks for a reason, and they both have their own strengths, their own weaknesses. So just because Hooker might be better uh, in, in one aspect, certainly his range is at an elite level coming out of college. Uh, Adams might be just a notch below that. That certainly doesn't mean that on a comparative basis throughout all the NFL talent, that Adams isn't right up there as well. When you look at these guys, I mean, for me, guys, I got to be on the record here. For me, Hooker is the number one guy for me. However, when we're talking about Adams, what you're not, well, what you're basically saying, and for the fan listening in, is that Adams, as a safety, has that innate ability to find the football despite those workout numbers. And that's where he not only becomes the lead dog in the bo- in the house, the clubhouse, because of his alpha attitude, but his physicality inside the box, you know, kind of showcases to me that he'll be that lead dog, strong safety, the guy that's able to be versatile enough to go on the hash, give you cover two, range and cover three and not be a liability in coverage but where he really really makes his money for my value is his in is his over-the-top instincts uh lauren brought up mike brown that's the kind of guy that i compare him to in the instincts realm because i think he's a better tackler and a more athletic player than Mike Brown was when he was with the Chicago Bears for the Bears fan listening. This guy ranks high up there. However, when I look at Malik Hooker, I just see everything I want in a free safety, and that is the position I feel like the Chicago Bears have a huge hole in because Amos, to me, is going to give you what you need as a strong safety. However, that free safety position has been filled by Chris Conti, uh, uh, <laughs> Payne. A bunch of players have been Al filled. Alpha Lava. <laughs> um, Chris Harris. Major right. Major right. They just never seem to get the guy that's going to play the hash and be able to run, diagnose plays. And get to the football. And I think Hooker just, for me, he's in my top 10 in this draft. Not to ruin my stuff for Bears Hour Live, Lauren. But Malik Hooker is my my top safety. And I feel like he brings so much to the table, Josh, when you're looking at the Chicago Bears and their needs. So uh, all these GMs will tell you, we're drafting best player available. But need is like right there with it because... Let's face it, that's how this game is played, and you want to draft best player available, but if the best player available also fits your need, you can then project that out to the public. And I think the Chicago Bears, when it comes to safety, there is a huge need for a free safety, and I think Adams is more of a strong safety. I think he does show the versatility that you're saying at corner, but I think this guy's safety all the way. Well, Phil, do you get concerned about Hooker's ability to wrap up and, and finish on tackles? <laughs> no. What, what, who was it that that said uh, safeties don't free safeties don't need to tackle, right, Phil? I think he was an award winner of some sort. I don't, I don't know. It was brought to my attention by Dos Pesos over at Bears Bar Room. Shout out to him. That somebody 
had said that free safeties don't need to tackle, that they're the last line of defense, so their quality about tackling is last. I completely disagree with that. I think your free safety is the last line of defense, but he's also the alley player. And when you're playing in a Vic Fangio scheme and there's matchup zones that all of a sudden one to twos become priority, you also have to recognize run. It's part of the game and it's a huge part of championship runs. So you need a free safety that's more than willing and is technically sound. And I'm not concerned at all about Malik Hooker's ability to tackle. In fact, watching his tape, he shows a, a, a willingness to tackle. It's not always perfect, but it's hard to find a perfect tackler. And I believe if we were measuring the two, Adams would be a higher-ranked tackler than Hooker for me. However, Hooker's whole game, to me, reeks of Pro Bowl potential there. And that's how I see those two, Lauren. I'm not afraid. The only concern is the hooker injury concern, but I feel as though that's under, uh, that's more than, he's not a huge concern in, in regards to injury. Josh, how much of a, a separation is there between hooker and Adams in your in your opinion? I, I think that's pretty significant, and I have to disagree in terms of tackling ability. Uh Hooker missed a, a good share of them this this past season. Uh, I don't think he was very good at all against the run, and I, I think he had issues with taking bad angles and, and not bringing his arms and, and wrapping up. I think that was a serious, serious issue for him, uh, one that really gives me pause in, in terms of wanting to take him top 10. He, and here's the thing about free safety versus strong safety versus slot. The, here. When you have a guy with the versatility of Jamal Adams, he's going to give you maximum impact because he can play around the box, whether it's as a strong safety, whether it's as a nickel corner. And and that shouldn't be poo-pooed because nickel corners, let's face it, 50% of the time, that's the base package now. You have to have those nickel corners. So if he's taking that for your team, especially if you're you're a cover three type team that likes to run now, the uh, uh, single safety high, that's huge. So the fact that he can come down and do that, that's going to open up versatility with some of your other players as well. If you're a free safety only, which really I think Hooker is, as talented as he is in that respect, how much impact is he really getting? How many plays a game is he really impacting? I My concern is if you're talking about taking a guy like that top 10, that's when we get into the Valley issue because – if if you really want just a free safety, then I think you're better off waiting a little bit, maybe taking Justin Evans in the second round, uh, seeing when you can get Eddie Jackson from Alabama, taking one of those guys a little bit later. Uh, even even a Tedrick Thompson might not have the speed, but, boy, his, his skills on the ball are, are unmatched, and that guy you probably don't need to get until the fourth round. If I want a, a guy explicitly for free safety, I'm probably not taking one in the top five just because he's not impacting nearly as many plays as a player with the versatility of uh, Jamal Adams or Obi Melifonwu, for that matter. Phil, any, any counter to that? I just think that when you look at when you're talking about nickel as Josh was, you need a free safety that has range and agility, closing speed, the ability to recover. His seven interceptions speak for a deficiency that the Chicago Bears continue to ha- lack 
and have in the secondary. It's the ability to turn over the football. I know he's not a polished tackler, and I said that Adams, clearly, if we were measuring the two, is a much better tackler. And I can completely understand, but when I look at the athleticism that this guy could, that brings Hooker, he can also come and play that nickel corner because his hips and his ability to, to turn and diagnose what's going on with the vision uh, anywhere on the field. He trusts his reads. He goes after the football, and he's really excellent when it comes to the safety position. And if you watch his hands, I know they showed some stuff with the pro, his pro day. He's, he's like a wide receiver plucking the football out of the sky. Uh, I just really, I really tend to disagree with the value of a free safety with Josh. I feel like this guy can do both, but his value at free safety is one that in Vic Fangio's scheme, you need an athletic guy that's going to be able to take some chances and turn over the football. And I would not be afraid to take this guy in the top 10. Well, and Josh, you're you're the Big Ten analyst for Pro Football Focus, so you watched a lot of Ohio State this year. I mean, you watched a lot of every team, and obviously you've watched a lot of all these prospects, but as far as Ohio State's defense goes, you've got two cornerbacks in that secondary in Lattimore and the other guy whose name is totally escaping me right now, but two Gary guys that Con- are... Yeah, Gary and Conley. Two guys that are, are projected to potentially be first-round picks. Lattimore up in the, up in the top ten, and, and Conley... You know, different ranges for him. But regardless, two extremely talented NFL prospects at corner. And and obviously LSU had talented prospects in their secondary as well. But do you think Hooker benefited more? How much do you think he benefited from playing on that Ohio State defense that was more successful throughout the year than an LSU defense? Uh, He probably benefited a little bit in coverage. Um, I, Without really breaking it down, I'm sure he had a little bit more freedom. to freelance a little bit or just attack what he saw just because they were so solid outside that they knew they could rely on them in man coverage. Uh, but I, I think more so probably where he was, he was uh, benefiting from was the fact that he wasn't needed as much in the box against the run. Uh, I mean, you look at uh, his run stop percentage, he's around 50th, I think in this class of safeties, not just in all of, college football but in the 2017 draft class i mean that's that's not very good that's not very active down there in the box and and i think because the front seven was so strong that uh they were able to hide him a little bit from that as well but that's that's kind of my point i totally get his value as a free safety but in terms of value to the team as a whole the free safety just isn't quite as valuable because they don't affect as many plays so if you can get a guy that a little bit later than a top ten pick uh, that could still play the that could play the free safety there and then get someone at a more impactful position in the top five. That'd be my strategy. But ultimately, we're going to see a lot of that in this draft with safety with every position. In terms of every team is going to value something a little bit different with these guys, and and every team's draft board is going to get going to look completely different. There might be teams that have Jamal Adams as fourth or fifth on their board and Hooker first overall. Uh, there might be teams like ours, like us at, P- at PFF. We have Adams one, Hooker, Melifano are real close at two, three for for different reasons. It's it's going to be very different for every team. Now, Phil, I want to I want to ask you about the point that Josh brought up earlier, as far as you know, Hooker. There, there are other rangy free safety prospects in this draft, but in your in your mind, what? 
makes Hooker that much more valuable than a guy like Melifonwu or even Justin Evans, some of these other rangy kind of safety guys that can can play that back end and, and maybe rather than investing the third overall pick in Malik Hooker, you could take I mean, I know you're you would probably take Solomon Thomas over all of them, but you could take <laughs> another player at a different position that you might not be able to get so deep in the draft. Like is that is that what separates Hooker so much from other safeties with similar skill sets in this draft, in your opinion? I'm glad you threw in the Solomon Tom. I believe that you take upfront talent in the when you're this high, whether it be you know a quarterback over that if you've ranked him on your board. Let's just get that out of the way. But to answer your question about Hooker, I just elite ball skills with the ability to find the football, judge and target it and high point it is what separates him. The Chicago Bears have swung and missed how many times waiting to find their safety? I know the names are in this draft. I could throw Desmond King in there as a free safety that you could find. I'm really high on that football player. You saw what he was as a a Thorpe winner at corner. Look what he could do at safety. I just think that's his future position. But when you're looking at elite playmaking ability, the ability to turn over the football, and... Yes, his angles to the football in the run game aren't polished yet, but I think the strength of his elite ball skill, I mean, this was a former basketball player that is just a gifted athlete, burst body control, he reacts, and his his ability to dip, bend, and get to his drop is just tops in this draft for me so if you're finding a disruptive nfl playmaker in the secondary this is the guy and it's 1a to 1b for me in regards to the three up top and that's peppers too throwing him in there i believe those guys can do things that josh is talking about if you want to and peppers has played nickel corner he's played corner he's played free safety linebacker if you're t- talking versatility and explosive, I don't know if there's a better tackler than Peppers in the draft at in the secondary, in my opinion, Adams being part two, where Hooker goes over the top of them is the elite ball skills. Well, let's let's talk about Jabril Peppers since you brought him up. I mean, obviously, I think you're higher than, on him than a lot of people in the draft community. You, you see him as a potential free safety solution. And obviously, that's a little bit of a projection because it's not something that he was asked to do at Michigan. I mean, he was asked to do a lot of different things, and he did occasionally go a lineup deep and, and cover the deep end. But it, it was a much more of a rarity for him there than most other things they asked him to do. What about, what about Peppers? I mean, obviously... People bring up the one interception thing. I, I I know none of us think that's that big of a deal. I mean, it, there's so much that goes into that. I mean, the way he was used, the opportunities he had to, to intercept balls, it's really not that big of a concern for for either one of us. But what 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 about his his skill set that makes you feel like he can play that free safety position despite having not really done it significantly? In my years of coaching, you look for talent and traits that you're looking for. And when you watch Jabril Peppers play the sport of football, he's so versatile. As I said, corner, nickel, linebacker, punt returner, kick returner, quarterback, running back, slot receiver. When you could do that, and Josh is from Michigan, 
Okay, that's big time football there. And he's being used all over the football field by a ch- master chess player in Jim Harbaugh. It's hard to 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 for p- most people to project a player because he's never been isolated in, in one position. So it kind of hurts the player for the draft community and the people trying to project him because most some people think he's a great running back. Some people think he's just a, a linebacker, too small. I think this is a football player. And when you look at alpha dogs and personalities and what you're looking for when you're trying to fit people into positions, this guy ran 4-4-7, has quickness. He's got probably the best loose hips I have saw at the combine and in the drills that I'm looking at a player, what I want to see. I mean, he's built like a Greek god. Every bit of athleticism and instincts that you want, he's a willing and finishing tackler. I mean, this kid sees it, diagnoses it, attacks the alley. And that's why I think when coached up, and let's look at this, there's a reason why the Patriots are in the Super Bowl or in the playoffs every single year is because their players are coached up, their system, their responsibilities. When you ask Jabril Peppers to do something, I feel as though his transition into the NFL as a free safety is that could be versatile, like Josh was talking about with Adams, to play the nickel corner, to do things outside the box. And then the value of him being a dynamic returner, and all of Chicago should know what that means to a football team. I just think that value, Lauren, goes into the weight of looking at this football player. And that's why I think the weaknesses of this football player tend to be the fact that he never had a home. But other than that, I really like, I don't use tweener in this guy. I put him at free safety, recognize my system and my philosophy, and I teach him and coach him up. And I feel like you get a dynamic football player in your secondary for the Chicago Bears. Now, Josh, obviously you're very in tune with Michigan football as far as an alumnus and someone who obviously watched a lot of Michigan football, even just for pro football focus. How much do you think he was held back by being asked to wear so many hats this year and kind of lining up everywhere and having to do so many different things? I mean, how does that impact your evaluation of him as a draft prospect? I, I don't know if I'd say he was held back. I mean, certainly it, it makes the evaluation process tougher just because we haven't seen him stick to one position. I think it's pretty clear because of his size, he can't play linebacker, even though I think he's significantly better when he's going forward. I, I just don't see how he's going to be able to, at his size, hold up against blockers at the line of scrimmage. So the the main role he had on defense this year, I don't think we're going to see that in the NFL. In terms of him playing uh, free safety on the back end, I have real concerns about that, though, because when I watched him in covers the last couple of years, I thought he was much better when he was on the ball, in press, being physical with his man than he was playing off the ball or having to read and react because I didn't think he showed the same level of instincts uh, off the back end. And you look at his production from this year. Now, again, this isn't a big sample size, so that's part of it. But looking at it this year, there were 21 balls thrown his way that were catchable. 
and only one of them was not caught. And that one that wasn't caught was a drop. So essentially, he affected zero balls. His one interception uh, this year was in the Ohio State game. That was off a deflection that just happened to come right to him. So that one's not any kind of tremendous play on his part. It just kind of popped to him. I think he defended six total balls his entire career at Michigan. That's really concerning, and I think that plays out when you watch all of his coverage snaps on film. He's just seems to be a beat late closing on things in front of him, and I have real concerns about him, even though he clearly has the athleticism and range to play uh, a deep free safety position. Phil, how quickly can, can something like that be coached up? For safety. I mean, obviously, it's up to the coaching staff to, to be able to develop him and, and put him in the best position to be successful. But is that something, you know, being being late and, and you know, especially in coverage like that, is that something that you can you can pick up quickly with a guy that you can that you see guys transition well at the NFL with, with that? I believe that this football player is a difference maker. And I do believe you could coach it up because I've I've experienced it. It's about. Does he lack confidence? No. And did he have a home? No. So if you're going to give him a directive, which Jim Harbaugh put him all over the place, and this guy kind of covered for a lot of what Michigan was asking him to do. If they needed a corner this week, he played corner. I mean, I agree with Josh. When he's face-to-face with a receiver – and he presses and turns. He's not going to be out fought or muscled or outrun. I mean, he's that good. So you can play him at corner or nickel corner, and he gives you the agility and aggressiveness to do it. I just think if you were asking him to look at playing a free safety position and that's where your home is going to be and you he gets it to the playbook and understands his responsibilities, I think too much time we – we look at, well, he didn't do it here and he didn't, but really ultimately the whole picture has to be on display. The physical traits, the unselfishness, the ability to be physical. This guy doesn't back down from anybody and any challenge. I think that kind of trigger in a gun is where you look at a player. I mean, I compare him to like Troy Palomalo, something of that nature where the instincts when asked to the next level, I think this guy's going to be up to the challenge. And I feel as though all of the loose hips, the turn, the understanding of the alley and what Vic Fangio's scheme is going to ask him to do, it's not complex. I think this athlete can supersede what he did in college and become a dynamic playmaker, not only on defense, but also in the return game and the value that someone like a Devin Hester. Had. I mean, this guy is a top shelf, top flight returner who could take it to the distance at any point. I mean, he is physical and will break tackles with the ball in his hand. He is not afraid. And that kind of value goes two ways. And, and I feel as though, Yes, Lauren, you can coach him up and you can use him in several hats. But really, ultimately, you put him somewhere on defense and let him learn his rookie year and let his machismo play itself out there. (laughs) You're throwing in the machismo already, huh? (laughs) Yeah, the kid has plays with a chip on his shoulder. The Chicago Bears lack that right now. You look at that defense. They got a Jarrell Freeman. 
Danny Trevathan's hurt. Akeem Hicks plays with a little bit of a chip. But anybody in the secondary, I know they signed Demps, which would be a great cohort there, a, a colleague to learn from. But this guy's 10 times the athlete a Demps is at safety. So if you're looking at the Bears, Deion Bush, Adrian Amos, Demps, um, is Andre, uh, DeAndre Carson. Is DeAndre Hall going to safety? Houston Carson, a Kyle Fuller being misused. Is he corner? Is he safety? Here, Peppers goes into the mix and ultimately gives you an elite athlete who's not who's more than a willing blocker, I mean tackler, who gives you value on special teams. I can make a case for this guy being a Chicago Bear. See, yeah, I think this I, is a really intriguing. Sorry to cut you off, no, but I think this is it. a really intriguing and relevant discussion because I guarantee you, this exact discussion is being had by anyone that's considering Peppers. You're going to have scouts that went in there and say, "Look, I saw him for three years. I don't like his instincts. Look at his production numbers. They really aren't that good. Most of his plays were made coming forward, unblocked, uh, against the run, blitzing, unblocked." that type of thing. And then you're going to have maybe more of the coaching perspective that says, look, I know what I want him to do in my system and he can do it because he has all the athleticism in the world and his mentality. And I can't deny either of those two points. There's no question. He's a top athlete. Uh, Although it is worth pointing out that there were plenty of big time athletic safeties that ran just as fast, if not faster than him. But I think as an all around athlete, he's probably at the very top of the class. Uh, But his mentality, and that was something that was talked about. If you watch the combine that he led that linebacker group uh, on the field during the combine, that's something that's not talked about when you, uh, when you talk about going to all-star games and things like that, you find out who the alpha dog is, who's the guy that's going to take over and be the instant leader among these group of guys that were all probably leaders at, at their colleges, at their college programs. And he was the guy. So I, I think there's some very valid points being made by Phil there and the returning game. You can't discount that at all. That's first and foremost, because that's where he's going to translate immediately. And I think from day one, he's going to be a top two or three returner in the NFL, maybe uh, just behind uh, Tyreek Hill in Kansas city. I think he's that good in that respect. Yeah, that's a great point, Josh. I, uh, I think the big difference with people's evaluations of Jabril Peppers comes down to how confident they are in projecting him because at the end of the day he is sort of just like a bundle of skill set and a bundle of traits that you know a, a bunch of coaches are just waiting to kind of get their hands on it and mold this clay into the defensive weapon that they feel he can be and so you know if, if some people feel more confident in his ability based on the mentality based on what we know of Jabril Peppers that's what brings him up into the first round and and even higher in in consideration whereas you're going to see other draft analysts put him down and, and farther because they're not as confident in how that projects and I think at the end of the day that's what's going to be the, de- the deciding factor in his evaluation for most people in the draft community. Another guy who kind of fits in that category is a little bit of Obi Melifanu. I know he's got a more tape of, of being asked to do specific things, you know, at free safety and strong safety, things that Peppers didn't wasn't asked to do at Michigan because he was moved around so much. But at the same time, you are projecting a physical freak, really, a, a freak of nature. I mean, we saw him down at the Senior Bowl. He's huge. He's long. He's fast. He's quick. 
he can line up in the corner and, and you know press guys and run with them down the field. He can go up to the hash and, and play the deep safety. He can come down the box. It seems like he is pretty capable of doing a little bit of everything. But at the same time, you know, you, you kind of want to see how well he's going to translate physically. I mean, he has the skill set, but is he one of those guys that's that, that dominates in the college level just because he's bigger and faster than everybody else, or does he have? the ability to translate that to the next level and really show that he's not an anomaly, that he's not Taylor Mays, that he can be sort of more the Cam Chancellor, that rare athlete at the position. I know he's one of your draft crushes, Josh. What, what do you like so much about Obi Melifanu? All the things. <laughs> I, there's nothing I don't love <laughs> about him. Um, let, let's, let's put it this way. When I see a guy just blow for the first time at Senior Bowl or Combine, whichever it is, maybe sometimes it's both, obviously with him it was, and that's the first time I've seen him and he completely blows off or blows up, I I go into watching his film and I'm a little suspicious. I, I, I'm not convinced, okay, he's going to be this great, amazing player uh, because I have just because I saw him at this all-star game and a limited number of reps doing X, Y, Z. I want to see how he actually does on film. And for me, his film more than passes. And you see him do a little bit of everything. Maybe not the outside corner that he showed at, at Senior Bowl in terms of him just being able to bully wide receivers outside. That really uh, opened up some NFL eyes. There's no question about that. But you see him in the box. You see how sound of a tackler he is. He consistently breaks down takes guys down in the open field. He's really the best tackling safety in this class. Uh, but then you see him in coverage, whether it's in the slot, whether he's he's an off man, or he's playing more of a free safety role. You see he has outstanding rage himself. Uh, he had a pick against, I think it was South Florida, where he ranged from the opposite hash uh, to the boundary. Maybe not quite as impressive as Malik Hooker's in the first game against Bowling Green because the ball was floated a little bit. But still, you saw his ability to track the ball, find it in the air, and, and outplay a receiver for it in the air. You see that. You see his recovery speed uh, in, in coverage in terms of I'm trying to think which game it was. It might have been the Temple game. It's They're on about the 20, and he's playing free safety. And there's a crossing pattern that ends up going across him. He breaks late, and he has maybe 5, 10 yards to catch up, and he ends up cutting a guy off, toe-tapping at the boundary for the interception. Really one of the plays of the year in my mind, and I don't think that's a play that many people saw. That right there shows you, okay, this guy could play free safety. He has instincts to go with ball skills and his size and physicality. That's everything I want in a safety. I can play him anywhere. I can play him at free. I can play him at strong. I can play him at nickel. I can play him outside if I want. I wouldn't be surprised if a team like Seattle said, look, we need an outside corner that's big and physical. That's our guy. There's there's just what he can do is is limitless, in my opinion. Is is there any chance he gets out of the first round, or do you think one of those teams at the bottom is going to fall in love like you have and, and snag him up at the bottom of the first? I would be absolutely stunned if he got out of the first round. I know I'm might be his biggest supporter to me. I would take him in the top 10. I, I really feel that strongly about him, but because of his versatility and just elite traits, I, there's so much you can do with him. I, I, I can't envision a single team watching him on film, watching him at senior bowl, watching him at combine and thinking, yeah, we don't have a very good role for this guy. Every single team has something for him where he would make a huge impact for that club. 
It's, you're describing him the same way it sounds like Phil described Jabil Peppers. So I think we know where our draft crushes lie here on, on Bears Hour Live. <laughs> I'm with Josh, though. I saw Melifanu live, and UConn obviously had a down season. I went with a few friends up there, and uh, the kid, I'm like, who the hell is this number 20? The kid is unbelievable coming off the free safety position, and that kind of set the tone for what this football player is at 6'4", 227 pounds. I mean, moving like that and being able to turn hips and showcase the ability. I mean, watching him come up from the free safety position and fill on a zone play and run past the linebacker that's scraping off the top and not hesitate with contact, I mean – I love this football player. I just think that you can't go wrong with this kind of football player playing the the strong safety position. Or I could see him transcending to the free safety position. I don't, I don't like him at corner. I think it's a waste to put him out there. But that's in the. I'm looking at it under the the scope of the Chicago Bears defensive philosophy when you're talking. Seattle, I completely get what Josh, where Josh is going with that. But this kid, I don't think gets out of the first round, Lauren, either. I think there's just too much good tape combined with all the athletic traits that you saw at the Combine. There's no way um, Jerry Jones is going to let this guy get out of the first round, in my mind. Now, there's a lot of these, these safeties that kind of fall in that range of you know, late first, early second guys, at least as far as the, the mainstream draft opinion goes. Josh, who who's a guy, if the Bears don't take a safety in the first round, that you feel like would be there at 36, that could kind of be that, you know, that, that, that secondary option that, okay, well, we didn't get, we didn't take one early on, but we need a safety. Who Who's our, who's our consolation prize at the safety position in the early second round? Yeah, I mentioned him earlier, Justin Evans from Texas A&M. I'm, I'm a real big fan of what he can do in coverage. Uh, basically, through the SEC season and bowl game this past season, I think he only allowed 19 receptions. None of them were more than 15 yards long. Uh, he broke up six passes, had two picks. Just really an outstanding and instinctive player in coverage and real physical and aggressive. Uh, his play against the run, that leaves something to be desired, and that's why he's probably going to be available at that point. He's missed a lot of tackles the last two years. I want to say it's around 38 or so, and 21 of them are this year. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the movie Interstellar, uh, but uh, in that movie, mm-hmm. uh, if you have, if you recall, the, the robot TARS is kind of cracking jokes at the beginning of their their space flight, talking about how he's going to jettison the crew out the escape hatch. And... Uh, the main character suggests he lowers his comedy level or his sarcasm level from 100 to 85. And that's kind of the way uh, Justin Evans is in terms of his playing the run. He does everything at full speed and it's to a fault because he's constantly overrunning uh, tackles and, and whiffing that way. He dives at guys instead of breaking down and tackling like we talked about Obi. So he has some warts he has to fix up. But in terms of a pure coverage guy, a pure free safety guy, I think he'd be outstanding for the Bears and a really, really good fit for what they need in the second round. 
would you kind of call him uh, like a poor man's Malik Hooker? Like it sounds like the way that you're describing him mm-hmm. and the way I've seen like a similar sort of a breakdown of instincts and, t- and tackling ability, but that elite range and ball skills just maybe not quite up at Hooker's level. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty fair way to describe it. They they both have their issues tackling, and I think Evans uh, put himself in more positions. Uh, I should say in position more often to kind of show off those weaknesses than than Hooker necessarily did. Maybe he's a little more aggressive in that uh, respect, again, to a fault. But, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, again, you're talking free safety, as important as that is, especially in the system the Bears play. How many plays per game is that affecting? And if that's not worthy enough to take a top five pick, maybe you want to take Solomon Thomas, Jonathan uh, Allen in, with that third overall pick and then take Justin Evans in the second round. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, Phil, I do want to go back to that that idea of how valuable the safety is in the Bears defense because I was thinking, just as Josh mentioned that, that last time, I was thinking back to last year and how, I mean, the safety position in Chicago wasn't great by any means, but it wasn't horrible. I mean, Chris Brzezinski was horrible when he was on the field, and, and <laughs> but Adrian Amos was, you know, pretty pretty average if not slightly above average. And then when Harold Jones Corte was out there with him, again, not not terrible. He ended up getting benched sort of inexplicably, but it, I didn't think, and, and we talked about it during the season, that he wasn't necessarily this this liability train wreck at the safety position. And, and then they kind of got along. I mean, there weren't a lot of plays where it was like the safety position screwed over the Bears. I mean, against the Colts, when Chris Brzezinski was the single deep safety on the last play of the game, mm-hmm. the game when he touched on T.Y. Hilton, I mean, obviously there... Your free safety position is, well, is going to be big, but yeah. the Green there were a Bay, lot of plays this year Green where Bay they got Packers, away with Green Bay Packers game. There was miscommunication with Dion Bush. Remember, he ran. I don't know if he was running cloud in the, coverage in the, in the red zone. Yeah, but <laughs> no, that's not necessarily not the red zone. The the sixty yard bomb where Cravon LeBlanc. Oh, they were both right pointing the end of regulation. Exactly. The free safety position to me. With the Bears, Demps is coming in here based on Ryan Pace, who, unfortunately, we don't have Josh on for a longer time and get into the whole off-season of Pace, questionable decisions and what have you. He goes out and signs Demps, who is a guy that does what, Lauren? He, he's physical in the run game, but he's got six interceptions last year. That seems to be the reality of why he's here, is they're trying to get guys that are, aren't afraid to go after the football and create turnovers in short fields, especially when you're going to have a, a Mike Glennon or a Mark Sanchez in there if Glennon's her. Whatever the plan is at quarterback, obviously they can hang their hat on Jordan Howard, but the defense in a Vic Fangio philosophy needs to feed the offense, and they aren't getting turnovers. So the Buddha Bakers, the Malik Hookers, uh, Desmond King, who are – and, and his guy from AM, they have to be able to get a free safety in here that's going to track, diagnose, and anticipate footballs and go after them and create turnovers. That's why I think the value has to be in the up and you know in the second round, that's fine. I look at Desmond King and I feel as though I can get a guy that can, does exactly what you're asking to create a turnover, be physical as corner. You know, he was a Jim Thorpe, a winner at corner. I feel as though the guy transitions best to safety. You can look at him, maybe a Buddha Baker in a trade-up. I think 
He might be an end of the first round talent. Maybe he's there in the second round. That a guy that's going to go after the football, Lauren. That's what they need. And I, I said it to begin with. I'm, I'm kind of given the uh, what do you call it? I'm ruining the spoiling. Spoiler alert! Yeah, thank you. I'm spoiling my top players here, but ultimately, I think you get disruptors in the top, otherwise quarterbacks. When you're Bears haven't picked this high since they traded out with the Jets, I believe. They had the third pick, and they traded back with the Jets, who ended up picking this defensive tackle from Kentucky. I forget his name now. And the Bears ended up getting Michael Haynes and Rex Grossman in that draft. <laughs> the other <laughs> the other time they picked this high is they settled on Cedric Benson, for God's sake. You need to get a dynamic pass rusher. Or a quarterback, in my mind. I feel Josh is on to something. A lot of people are high on getting Adams there, that alpha male dog. But for me, ruining and spoiling, I just think, got to get after the quarterback first. doesn't matter that you pick Floyd last year. I think you diagnose an Allen, a Floyd, and maybe, you never know, hopeful, wishful thing. And this has happened before in Tunsil. And and, Le- and Williams, Leonard Williams, they dropped in the draft. Those were my t- two highest-ranked players. They ended up dropping. So maybe the Bears get Garrett. And if he's there at three, you got to strike like a Cobra, Lord. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Buddha Baker there, too, because he's a guy we haven't really touched on. And, and he's lower on the, the PFF safety rankings. He's actually their 10th-ranked safety in this class. Josh, oh. why— why are you guys so low? And maybe you don't quite share the, the full group opinion. I guess I, off the top of my head, I don't remember exactly how the, the composite PFF play, player position rankings go up. But generally, it, it's lower on Buda Baker. What, what's your concerns with his game? Yeah, uh, I, I do agree that I think he should be around 10th. I have some real concerns about how he translates to the next level. Um, he plays with his hair on fire. There's no question about that. But I think ultimately... With his size, uh, I, I have issues with him in coverage in, in every facet. I don't think he's nearly as instinctive when he's off the ball. I think he's a, a beat slow in transition. He doesn't show the same level of athleticism when he's moving in space, even though he has good straight line speed. Doesn't show anywhere near the same all-around athleticism that you get from Peppers, Evans, Hooker, Melifanu, Adams. Uh, and... He can get exposed for his size. You, you you watch him frequently in coverage. Bigger receivers, tight ends, they're making contested catches over him, and that's a real concern there. And then his play against the run, he's so overly aggressive, uh, not to the extent of Evans, but he's overrunning and he's putting himself in position to miss tackles. I think he's going to miss more in the NFL level than he did in college. I think that's going to be a real issue. So I'm not really convinced where he translates, where he fits in an NFL game. Unfortunately, he's a fun guy to watch. He flashes a lot on film, but I just think translating to the next level, he's there are a whole bunch of other guys that I'd rather have instead of him. Now, he's gotten some some Tyron Matthew comps from some people. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, is, is, that, is that too much of a ceiling projection in your mind, or do you think... What what puts him in that light? I mean, obviously there's concerns about the overaggressiveness, but do you think you can kind of tone that down and, and sort of hone that aggressiveness to be able to to have it come out in spurts, sort of the way that Tyron Matthew does in Arizona, or is it more of a scheme fit for that kind of thing? Uh, it might it might be a little bit of both. I I think 
ultimately, yes, that's when you watch his game, that's kind of the ceiling of what you're looking at. But at the same time, I think Matthew is better than coverage, even though he, he gets up quite a bit himself uh, when he's playing out of the slot. And, and I think that's primarily where you're going to see Buda Baker is playing in the slot like he did at Washington. But I, I think he can be exposed there in coverage a little bit. And playing against the run, I don't think he's as polished as you get from Tyron Matthew. I think Matthew's a, a superior player uh, against the run, even though they have similar aggressiveness. Phil, any, any thoughts on Baker? I really like Baker. I think that this football player is a guy that turns over the football. Again, I'm looking at it from a fit in the philosophy of what it is you're looking for with the Chicago Bears, and that's guys that are going to come off the hash, play that Vic Fangio cover three matchup zone coverage, and, and go after the football. And Baker, to me, can play nickel corner, free safety, He's a willing tackler. He's athletic. His tape, as Josh said eloquently, is fun to watch. I mean, there's a lot of great plays that this guy makes that sets him apart. And that's why I look at him as somebody that could be in the conversation in the second round, late first round, if you're looking at a fit in your philosophy. A guy that we haven't talked about that I really like, and I don't know where he's ranked with Josh at PFF, but is Marcus Williams of Utah. I don't know how you see him, but I, here's another free safety guy who's, I know, and watching his tape, he comes up and fills the alley with ferocity, and I, I think he's a great football player when you talk about later on in the draft. Probably not going to be as high ranked, but in that second, third round, Marcus Williams of Utah, when you're looking for a free safety with size and the ability to turn over the football, who's physical, he's a guy that uh, I really like, Josh. What do you think of him? Yeah, I, I think he's a real solid, dependable guy. I don't think he's the flashy hitter that people fall in love with. But when you look at what he's accomplished, some of the, some of the stats that we have on him, the highest run stop percentage of all safeties in FBS this past season. So basically he's destroying run plays uh, for less than three yards or for uh, preventing uh, con third down conversions. Uh, he's the best at that this past season. Second highest in tackling efficiency. Uh, not a guy that's really going to consistently blow guys up, but he's a consistent wrap up drag down tackler. So you can rely on him there. He doesn't let plays go past him in the secondary. I didn't think he was a tremendous playmaker in terms of uh, consistently playing on the ball, but he's not going to make mistakes back there that are going to lead to long touchdowns. And uh, ultimately, that's the number one job of a free safety is to prevent the big play. And I think you're going to get that from Marcus Williams, whether he goes in the second or third round. I think he's a really good value. Won't be a sexy pick, but he'll be a really strong starting free safety in the NFL, in my opinion. And we're, we're getting down to our, our final five minutes of the show here, so we're going to wrap up in a second. But where, where do you think the ceiling is with a guy like Marcus Williams? Because obviously he's a dependable guy. It seems like the floor is, is very high with him. You know what you're going to get when you take this guy. But 
you know, he's obviously not the athlete of everyone else. He's not a, a poor athlete by any means, but there's some limitations there as far as how high he can go. What what kind of what kind of long term ceiling could you see from a guy like that, Josh? The guy that comes to mind for us, and it's again not a sexy name, but really solid, dependable player. And you think about some of the other guys that they've let go in favor of him. Uh, how about Deron Harmon in New England? That's yeah. that guy is just a solid starter. He can play split he can play single high he can really do everything they want from a safety in that defense he doesn't make every splash play no but i he's just a dependable player that you need on that back end and let everyone else make the big plays around him and lauren i just want to jump in and and go back to one thing because at the start of the show this is a really deep class of safeties lauren when I look at Hooker not starting football until he was a junior in high school, and then ultimately look at the Bears roster to clarify, there's a bunch of strong safeties without the free safety. And thus, that kind of value in a pass-happy division with Rodgers, Stafford, and Sam Bradford, you know, Pace loves those giant upside guys in Floyd and Kevin White. I think a, a hooker kind of fits that role in regards to what it is the Chicago Bears are looking for in the free safety position. I just wanted to make sure. I mean, especially with Ohio State, this kid only played, started playing football as a junior in high school. So we're just scratching the surface there. And ultimately, look at where he's at now. I just think that that says a lot about the position and past practice for Pace, Lawrence. Yeah, I, I that's a good point about Ryan Pace. He likes in those in the, at least in the two drafts we've seen so far, he he takes the physical athlete that maybe, you know, maybe you're doing a little bit of projecting. Maybe he's not fully developed in certain areas, but he he's willing to take a swing for the fences on a guy that could be something great in the first round. And then he kind of waits in those second the second and third days of the draft. That's when he takes the more high floor, sure things at some of the bigger positions of need rather than continuing to swing for the fences for those home runs. But we, we swang for the fences by getting Josh Liskowitz from Pro Football Focus on our show, and I, I would say we hit a home run. Josh, it's been great having you on. For those of you that don't know, Josh, he's on Twitter at PFF Josh. He is the lead Big Ten analyst and NFL analyst for Pro Football Focus. He does great work over there. You should definitely check him out. And you can really see all of the great work he and everyone else is putting in in the, the PFF draft pass that they put out. They just put out their draft guide in that last week, and they're going to be updating it throughout. They've got tons and tons of great advanced stats and advanced metrics on all of these prospects. Scouting reports on – I mean, do you say the scouting reports are in the hundreds yet, Josh, or do you know how many total are, are coming out? Yeah, we're definitely in the hundreds now. I would imagine when it's all said and done, we'll have over 200. And one of the things that everyone loved – about uh, Pro Football Focus when it was just NFL uh, before we transitioned this past year. They loved the signature stats. Well, part of the draft pass is you get the signature stats on all of college football. So that by itself, to me, is worth the value. It's nineteen ninety nine, and and like you said, Lauren, we're constantly updating it. I think the new release is due next week, uh, and we should have one or two more before uh, before draft day. So check it out, and I think it's going to be a very valuable tool for everyone, not just for this draft, but thinking about all the information you're getting. It's going to help you uh, for next year as well. Well, thanks a ton for coming on, Josh. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to have to wrap up here with our 30 seconds, but it's, it, it's been great having you, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again in the future for sure. 
That sounds great. Thanks for having me. Josh, thanks so much. Well, with that, I would like to thank everyone for listening to this edition of Bears Hour Live. Come on.